Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. After a long journey that started over two years ago, speaking to thousands of you over the course of several months on Zoom in the middle of COVID, it is such a breathtaking feeling to share this moment uh, with all of you. And it is an absolute privilege and honor to be the first person in 24 years to be able to say thank you to the people of Illinois. Here come the waterworks. Wait, why is he the first person in Illinois to, I mean, other people have said thank you in the last 24 years. I don't know. Let's, you know, you know what I'm saying? Was he the first person in 24 years to be elected secretary of state? His name is not Jesse White. Is that what he's saying? I, What's he saying? Let's listen listen again. After a long journey that started over two years ago, speaking to thousands of you over the course of several months on Zoom in the middle of COVID, it is such a breathtaking feeling to share this moment uh, with all of you. And it is an absolute privilege and honor to be the first person in 24 years to be able to say thank you to the people of Illinois for making me the best. I think he's trash talking Jesse White. It's always that guy. I know. I know. What are you? What are you yeah. You give a shout out to Jesse White. He's the goat when it comes to secretaries of state. Okay. You got a ways to go before you can uh, match Jesse White. And by the way, at, at every single one of those rallies, the same guy is there going, yeah, the <laughs> same guy. He was at the ROM rally. Remember the Rounder rally? This is the same guy. Your Ben Jaromsky show for Wednesday, December 7th is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. My favorite thing, the concert listings and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jaromsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jaromsky, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. After a long journey. It is Wednesday, December 7th. And this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Too Close for Comfort Wednesday, and here's why. All right, I know everybody wants to talk Georgia. Georgia's on my mind. The election was last night. Raphael Warnock won. Herschel Walker lost. Got the great, the legendary Monroe Anderson back, sitting, ready to come on. We're going to bring him on. The great Monroe. It's been three weeks. People are going, where's Monroe? Monroe, Monroe. He's here. He's going to bring him on. He's resting in the bullpen. But I want to talk about something else before we get to this. I hope Monroe is listening because this one is a piece of work. Now, I hear all the time, I hear all the time Republicans saying, why can't we just get along? Independent voters, why can't we just, why must there be so much fighting? And it always make it seem like the Democrats and the Republicans are the same in this. And I'm always trying to point out, no, Dems are always like going high when they go low. Dems are always making appeals to independent-minded voters, independent-minded people. And Barack Obama was the one, ladies and gentlemen, he's the one who said there are no red states, there are no Blue states, there's only the United States. I never heard Donald Trump say anything like that. So let me give you a case in point to prove that Republicans hate Democrats and do not believe in bipartisanship. Not that it'll have any impact on anyone anywhere. It's First of all, I don't have enough listeners to do that. But second of all, you could say something to an independent-minded voter a million times, you know, like, just, and it won't drill through their head because they're programmed to say, why there's just so much fighting? <laughs> All right, so here we go. Doris Pryor, a well-qualified uh, 
judicial candidate uh, nominated for a very important seat uh, on this what is the Seventh Circuit, comes out of Indiana, uh, a Democrat. And uh, she was nominated by Joe Biden. And before he brought her nomination to the Senate, uh, he contacted the two Republican senators from Indiana. So I hope you're all following me on this, ladies and gentlemen. Two Republican senators, the great state of Indiana and its infinite wisdom has decided to elect two bag of people as their senators. One name uh, Young uh, and the other name Braun. The names are not that relevant, but I just said them anyway. And the both senators said, great choice, President Biden. We support her. And they testified on her behalf. And they endorsed her and they urged all the senators to support her. So you had two Republican senators, ladies and gentlemen, supporting Doris Pryor's nomination. They came before the Senate. <laughs> and it's like the Sun Times has this headline confirmed 60 to 31. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah, so I'm glad she was confirmed. She seems like a very well qualified candidate to be judged. <laughs> But 31 Republicans still voted against her. Two MAGA heads from the state of Indiana said, "We, she's good. Vote for her. And 31 Republicans voted against her. You can't deal with MAGA, ladies and gentlemen. They just hate Democrats. I don't know what else to tell you. I can't imagine a similar situation in which, let's say, Tammy Duckworth and Richard Durbin both endorsed a Republican candidate for a, a judicial nominee. I, I can't imagine 31 Democrats still voting against her. Come on, MAGA. And independent voters, you got to wake up. You can't pretend as though there's bipartisanship when there is no bipartisanship. And you can't say both parties are equally at fault when one party won't bend. All right, without further ado, I want to bring back the legendary Monroe Anderson, the pride and joy of Gary, Indiana. He's had a, he's been battling a cold for a couple of weeks. He was out in California living that good life, hanging out on the coast with all his rock star friends. But he's back in Chicago, back home, and back on the Ben Jarofsky show. Welcome back, Monroe Anderson. Uh, good to be back. Yes. And you have that nice haircut. You're looking very polished and distinguished and hanging out with those rock stars in San Francisco. Uh, I'm so glad that you uh, rock stars with my five-year-old grandson and my seven-month-old granddaughter. So which one gave you the cold? The granddaughter. Oh, those those little granddaughters, man. Probably put her fingers in your mouth. Yes. 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 Playing with my mustache, then put her fingers in my mouth. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) And they're just so cute. You just love them to death. And they give you a cold. Right. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. So I know you like me have Georgia on your mind. I know you like me were watching the coverage last night, uh, when Raphael Warnock was proclaimed a victor. I know you like me watch Raphael Warnock's acceptance speech. And, uh, finally, I know you like me watched MSNBC. Uh, I am a newbie with MSNBC. I recently discovered it and now it's my place to go to. I must admit, uh, even though I spent a lot of time yelling at the screen, it's not right. You know, uh, I'm yelling at these people like they can hear me. Uh, so we have a, all those different things we can discuss, but let's start at the top. Uh, it was 51% roughly, maybe close to 52% for um, Raphael Warnock and uh, Herschel Walker, 48%, close to 49%. Monroe, I must say, even though I was very relieved that Raphael Warnock was victorious, I am just still uh i just i don't know the, there's a level of disbelief that so many people voted for herschel walker and i have a feeling uh that you are not nearly as dis i don't know as i guess surprised as i am anyway what is your reaction all those georgians voting for this incompetent take it away monroe they were they they were they had a serious dilemma because both men were black if they had if if they had their druthers 
Herschel Walker would have been uh, somebody white. You know, if, if, if it was Bird, that would be all right with them, and he's from Indiana. <laughs> but they would have preferred a, a white person, period. However, Donald said, this is his guy. And uh, since they're in a cult, they went with that. Yeah. They didn't even have the the impetus of uh, making sure that the Senate would be Republican because that was resolved in, in Arizona. So the yeah. only, only thing this was about of substance was that it gives Democrats pure control now in the Senate. They don't have to split um, uh, with with the Republicans on on uh, committee um, chairmanships. Yeah. Now, the, the, but that was a that's a subtlety too sophisticated for Republicans. So they so the Republican voters so they didn't know or care about that. They just uh, they they still they were they were they they hate Dems. They hate yeah. liberals, and so they just wanted to. Um, do some more hating on the Dems and the liberals. Well, I, I struggle with this. Yeah. Because, I mean, if it's possible to flip it, if you could imagine a world, it's kind of hard to imagine because uh, Democrats are generally more discerning. But can you imagine a world where the Democratic candidate was as blatantly unqualified for his position as Herschel Walker was in that race? Yeah. Running against a candidate who is as clearly as qualified as Raphael Warnock, and clearly there are such Republican like that. So I know, so it's like a, I can't even a do the analogy. analogy. Yeah, okay. I just, I yeah, exactly. The Republican Party is <laughs> just dedicated to stupid right now, and that uh, we were at. I had somebody pointed this out. I'm going to get your reaction to this. So follow me in this. Okay. I'm watching MSNBC, and your guy Karnacki, who's fantastic i mean, yeah. he totally won me over right. uh he's got the state electoral map divided into blue and red okay and uh the blue is concentrated in, around cities like atlanta uh where there are black people let's just call it yeah. for what it is okay yeah. uh are big concentrations of black people right uh and that's the heavy blue the rest of the state the overwhelming geographical uh the the, the terrain of the state is red. Right. So you have islands of blue surrounded by seas of red. Right. Now, these are smaller rural counties uh, where there's not as many people, so they don't have enough votes to topple uh, Warnock's support uh, from Atlanta, etc. Uh, but uh, it, when you look at it visually, it, it's so striking. All this red and just these little uh, circles of blue. So there's a concept that I know you're very well aware of, of sunset towns. Yes. <laughs> and someone made a joke. Uh, I forget who it was. Ramana Hussein was the one who told me about the joke that we now know all the sunset towns to avoid. If you're a black person uh, in the state of Georgia, by just looking at that map of all the red. Okay. Yeah. So here's my question to you. Yeah. Would Herschel Walker have to get out of those towns by sunset or would they give him special exemption and allow him to stay in that town after sunset Monroe Anderson go he 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 would be an honorary white man you know they had that in, in South Africa also back during the apartheid days where you got a special status because of something or another so they would make an exception those who knew now, the problem is he could run into somebody who'd been out in the woods too long <laughs> and happen to, to come into town for the first time. Because I, I tell you, I covered, I, I, I covered Obama uh, in South Carolina uh, when he first, in 2008. And I had to come back to Chicago and so I had this guy pick me up to take me to the airport. And it was supposed to be some sort of limo service, but it was just some woman. It was, it was green bookish. This woman had, had a, 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 a limousine service for black folks. 
And it wasn't really a limousine, so it was just a car. But anyway, and the driver was her son. And so he's he's driving me to the airport. And he tells me about how he used to drive a truck up in the mountains of North Carolina. And this is in the 2000s when this happened. He came by, he drove by this restaurant that said, uh, no guns or niggers allowed on the window. What year was this? This was, well, it was 2008 when he told me about it, but it was in the 2000s when he saw the sign. Mm. And and, uh, so the point I'm making is that um, there are places in this country where America is already great again. Wow. Yeah. Uh, And that is uh, uh, Monroe speaking in irony, ironic terms. Uh, All right. Uh, So let's talk uh, about the concept that the Republican Party has embraced uh, that runs like this. When running in a district or statewide in this case uh, against a black uh, man or black woman, a Democrat who is black, uh, you must put up a black candidate or you should try to get a black candidate because that uh, the underlying premise is the only way uh, the, um, the Democrat will win is if roughly 95 to a hundred percent of black people vote for him, almost like Harold Washington's turnout yeah, uh, for Barack uh, or Barack Obama, which yes, which almost matched Harold, but came very close uh, and, uh, that's the only way, but if you put up a black Republican like Herschel Walker, it'll siphon off black votes, just enough black votes so that that rock solid white support for the black Republican will put, uh, him over the top. I feel as though that is one of the most insulting attitudes toward black voters I've ever heard to assume just because Herschel Walker is a black man that black voters would vote for him over Raphael Warnock. Your thoughts on this? Oh, well, the the, the greatest insult was what an idiot for Walker was. It, was, it wasn't simply that we're putting up uh, a black man, but th- that type of insult that you're talking about is more in line with Alan Keyes against Barack Obama. Because Alan, Alan Keyes wasn't a, a total fool. You know, he, 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 he was almost a total fool, but he wasn't a total fool. He, he's just a hustler. Uh, Herschel Walker was the worst candidate in senatorial history, from from what I can tell. I mean, I haven't studied all senators in all states for uh, the past 200 years or whatever. But uh, let's just say, we'll just go with modern times. He, you know, he, he's, he's anti-abortion, though. He has women saying he abort- made them get abortions. He's a wife beater. Uh, he's um, he's a liar. Him uh, claiming to um, be a sheriff, and he wasn't, and having a false badge as a prop. Uh, when Obama took him to task after he did the the, the Frank the uh, Wolfman versus Dracula, right. Uh, now, werewolf. Yeah, werewolf. Off of a movie he saw. And first of all, he's quoting the movie like it's the Bible or something, you know. <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, I used to watch these movies all the time. And Dracula's power, power varied from one movie to the next. Depending on you know, sometimes he could vaporize and come under your door. I mean, he had all kinds. Sometimes he was afraid of the cross. Sometimes he wasn't. Uh, I mean, he 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 changed. And but in 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 Walker's world, as it turns out, uh, a werewolf was better than a vampire. <laughs> I mean, and. And I, I mean, it, which was ridiculous. That's the best thing he had to talk about. And he talked about it as if it had some meaning or whatever you. 
and Obama just jacked him up. I mean, it's Obama could easily be a stand-up comic. His timing is so perfect. Yeah. Right. He he delivers the the, the line, and then he he, he 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 lets you think about it. Then he delivers the punchline. I mean, he just does it. You know, like with with um with Walker. He he talks about how Walker would rather be a werewolf, yeah. and he pauses on it and he looks around at the audience, and then he delivers his punchline about yeah. how he, he 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 too used to or uh, used to want to be uh, wonder about that too when he was seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I you know all right, I want Obama here. We'll take this tangent. Uh, I remember seeing Obama in Iowa in 2008 when he was running in the Iowa caucus, uh, I had not seen Obama in years give a speech. Uh, I, I couldn't believe how good he was. Yeah. You know, I didn't have, it's like I saw on display that comic timing and it came clear to me that not only had Barack Obama uh, been studying the great orders of, of his time, you know, he had also been studying comedians. Yeah. Clearly had been spending a lot of time watching the tonight show with Johnny Carson, you know, where Johnny Carson had, as you know, Monroe, you're, you're, you and I are the same generation. We spent a lot of time watching Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson's timing was, as a second to none, the way he would set up a joke and then deliver the joke. Right. I mean, he'd been watching, you could tell he'd been watching the greats and he had absorbed the lessons. His, just like, just as you said it, the way he set it up, the pause, the delivery, the crowd laughing, he could, he controls the flow and he's off. And then he segues into whatever political points he wants to make. And I was like, damn, this guy is really, really, really good at, uh, at what he does. Oh, um, he, I, I, I mean, and the part of it that didn't get played uh, 500 times on TV was when he, he, he mentioned that um, Walker claimed that he led Obama, he played basketball with Obama. And he let Obama win. And then Obama says, uh, I've never met <laughs> Herschel Walker. <laughs> so um, I guess I could take credit for his uh, imaginary friend whooping, the imaginary friend whooping I put on him or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> So that brings me to this. I, I told you I was going to ask you this. Yes. Uh, I'm really down on Bill Clinton these days, as everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, and I could go on and on about how dis, dis, disillusioned I am with Bill Clinton. But there was a time in the 90s when I would watch Clinton uh, and he going into the O's, uh, give a speech, uh, and I would sit there in awe like this guy is so good. You know what I mean? Like he is such a smooth talker and the way he does it with that little smile that Clinton had and that folksiness uh, and he would make a point and then go like on a a trip, uh, a rhetorical trip. You don't know where he's going. All of a sudden he come back to the point he made in a way to stick the needle in and the Republicans. And now I was like, you are good, Billy C. That's why the Republicans hate you so much because you're so good. Right. Uh, And uh, I am so down on Bill Clinton right now. I just, to me, I can't watch it anymore because it's BS. But in your humble opinion, who's the goat? Obama or Clinton, when it comes to delivering a speech that's both mocks the Republicans and fires up Democrats at the same time. Go ahead. It depends on what you think the definition of is is, Bill. Be <laughs> <laughs> done about this ghost stuff. Now, there were there once when when Obama was president. 
and couldn't let um, God, who that that the the, the character that um, the, the the comics had where it, it was Obama's alter ego who was oh uh, 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 Poo, um, Peel 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 and uh, Key yeah yeah, yeah Key yeah. and Peel and Peel I had it reversed yeah yeah yeah. yeah. But anyway, I forgot what his character's name of Obama's uh, uh, alter ego was. Where while he was saying all the nice things, his alter ego was pissed off and saying all <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, Obama was being nice during that period when he was president. He was very careful with attacking people, and so Bill would come to the rescue, yeah, and Obama yeah. uh, defined him as the president. Of um, everything, knowing everything, saying knowing everything, or explaining everything. He called him the president of explaining everything at that time because he would depend on Clinton to to tell the truth in a hard fashion that he couldn't do. Well, now that Clinton is is out of favor for a good reason, um, Obama has become the president of explaining everything. Yeah. I mean, he was brilliant during, during these midterms. I mean, just absolutely brilliant. I mean, every time he showed up, he took names and collected dues. So let's think about this. The, um, the midterms, uh, the contrast between, let's say Obama is now the, the star of the Democratic Party, obviously, and Bill yeah. Clinton, everybody, I think I'm not alone, just, wanting to forget that Bill Clinton ever even existed to a certain degree. Okay. Like, uh, Barack Obama is clearly the star. And, uh, so I was, I was reading through the analysis of the midterms. And one of the takeaways, uh, is that the Democrats have succeeded. Uh, they've set up a system that the Republicans cannot, uh, stymie. And one of them is just basic turnout, particularly in Georgia. Yeah. Call it a turnout machine. And the other one is Obama. That Obama as a closer, uh, Obama as a, as a, what, a representative of the, Repo of the Democratic Party coming to your state is such a powerful force and such a helpful force uh, that it, in a really close election, it can mean the difference. Uh, and so Democrats are feeling pretty good about themselves right now, Monroe, uh, as they head out of these midterms, uh, even though they didn't, they didn't hold on to the Congress, thanks to the uh, incompetence of Democrats in New York. Uh, but the, they held the Senate, they gained one seat in the Senate, uh, and they're feeling good about coming into 2024. Do you share that sense of confidence uh, that the Democrats are actually now playing the game seriously and they're not just like going to sleep as we saw in the Obama years in 2010? Uh, yeah, 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 sort of. Mm -hmm. uh, part of that, of course, is because during the Obama years, Obama was so dynamic that they thought uh, as um, one of the, the right-winger uh, radio guy, blanking on his name, who died. But anyway, he referred to Obama as the magic Negro. Oh, Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, Rush Limbaugh. Um, I mean, in fact, the Democrats thought that Obama was the magic Negro, and that they didn't have to do anything because Obama could do it. And of course, that wasn't the case. But the other thing, besides um, the, the, the Democrats not having the magic Negro around all the time, is that uh, the Republicans have Trump. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all in Trumpism, and they're all imitating. You know, they thought uh, Trump was such a great candidate. Everybody's trying to be mini me Trump. And it's not working to their advantage at all. In fact, the de Democrats don't have to do much of anything but, but let the Republicans be Republicans right now. In, yeah. in national, in, in national um, elections and in statewide elections where, where you don't have um, 
a rigging of the vote and yeah. packing gerrymandering where you don't have gerrymandering. See, so this is what's uh, frightening uh, to me uh, right now. I'm watching the jubilation. Um, this is, I told you I was going to uh, uh, talk about MSNBC's coverage with you. Yeah. So I'm watching the jubilation of, of the liberals sitting around their table at MSNBC. Yeah. Uh, and it was a totally different experience, uh, Monroe, I must confess. Uh, <laughs> I'm not used to watching the group of uh you know, talking heads so happy when the Democrats win, you know what right, I mean? Right. Trying yeah. to, now, then, it was almost a drunken party and nobody had anything to drink. <laughs> you know, and I got, as I said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm late to the party. Usually uh was doing my own show on election nights or uh, out covering a campaign. I wasn't watching MSNBC. I'm watching these guys. They're like having a party. You're right. I get the feeling that there's punch they're drinking in there. Uh, and uh, there's, so happy uh but i'm like it's frightening because donald trump is not bending donald trump is not bending donald trump just said he wanted to shred the constitution maybe we have to shred the constitution in order to guarantee that he win the, win these elections and he's still getting 48 to 49 percent of the vote in swing states uh like georgia he still owns the republican party maga supported Herschel Walker, because Donald Trump told them to, they followed his orders. So Democrats like are jubilant. Oh my God, we won in Georgia guys. You barely won. And you were up against the world's Georgia, worst it was a red state it, 10 years ago. It was, Georgia was a solid red state. Now it's purple. Wait, time out. Did Georgia go for Obama in 2008? No, no. There's only one way of finding this out. Yeah, I Google. Look it up. Go, go to the Google machine. I'm going to go to the Google machine because uh, I think, let's see. The, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Georgia uh, 2008 presidential. Here we go. Oh, my God. I didn't make a bet on this, so if I lose. And Monroe Anderson is right again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, in 2008, John McCain took 52% of the vote in Georgia to approximately uh, 47% for uh, Obama and other candidates got the rest. So you were right. I'm wrong. I actually didn't even say it was happened, but I'll still give you credit. Um, so I, I hear your point that not all uh, states will be as close as Georgia, but Wisconsin will be, Michigan will be, uh, Nevada will be. And uh, these, the fact of the matter is uh, North Carolina will be. And if Republicans are going to uh, use their power in the courts to change election laws, uh, to make it harder uh, for black voters to vote, which is what these election laws, you know as well as I do, what they're all intended to do. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, then there's no reason. This is Donnie Trump's theory. There's no reason to change because we'll get the courts to do the dirty work for us. It's still, Monroe, if you are worried about the state of our democracy, we're still not out of this yet. Oh, no, we're not out. But Trump is suffering a thousand cuts, death by a thousand cuts now, legal. And um, the air is leaking out. Remember remember that big baby Trump yeah. balloon that they carried? Yeah. They had going all over the world where he's in a diaper? Yeah. Well, that sucker is leaking big time right now. And, yeah. and um, so by the time we get to 2024, if, if, if Trump isn't already under house arrest he's not going to be he either won't be the candidate or the democrats will be celebrating his candidacy for real this time because he's not winning anything yeah well i uh, we'll get to trump's problems because i know you're uh, eager to talk about the, the conviction that went down in new york uh, the other day uh but i'm going to go back to uh uh, Republican propaganda. And one thing that I've uh, really appreciated Monroe about you coming on the show uh, is that from the get go, and we've been talking on a weekly basis about politics for uh, almost uh, six years. 
And from the get-go, you've made it clear that the hot air coming out of the Republican Party was trash talk. And as a kid who grew up in Gary, you, you knew what trash talk was and you knew how to respond to trash talk. And the way to respond to trash talk is more trash talk. Right. Better trash it's talk. Just hot air BS and there's nothing yeah. to it. Right. And so this is A1. I'm going to give uh, listener Frank credit. He sent this to me and I, I've been holding back on this because I wanted to share it with you. So okay. this was a tweet that went out on Halloween. And thank you very much, Frank, for sending this to me from a uh, Republican propagandist named Erickson, Eric Erickson. Total propaganda uh, on uh, Halloween right before the uh, the first round right before the midterms, which was round one, uh, turned out of the Georgia Senate race. And here's what he wrote. All right. So here's what coming. Here's what's coming. Kemp is leading Abrams significantly. And it is a one point race between Warnock and Walker. Dem ground game has collapsed. Abrams is out of money. Black men are splitting for Kemp Walker in good numbers. Doom for Dems. No runoff. Pure propaganda, pure trash talk. He didn't know any of that stuff was true. He put it out there. The dummies at the New York Times, they fall for it every time. Oh, my God. This Republican right wing propagandist put this out. It must be true. Right. I mean, black men men don't vote as, as high for Democrats as black women do. But we're still ninety percent. <laughs> so if it's probably higher than that, okay? right. I mean, on, on the on the lower on the exit polls, which are all bogus, we know. But yeah, yeah good, good point. Good point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, wait, hold on one second, Monroe. Oh, here you're sitting back. I thought you left the room for a second. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, so. My nose is still running from my cold. So yeah. So you're saying black. Uh, yeah. So because black men don't vote as uh, much for Democrats as uh, black women. Go ahead. Finish your point. Yes. Yeah, so you know they they just they they make stuff up. I mean they lie. I mean they lie. They lie. They lie about all sorts of things, and that's why they love Trump so much because he made lying acceptable. You know, there once was a time, even if you were Republican, if you just told, I mean, you 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 would shade the truth, but you would you wouldn't dare come out with a bold faced lie. Now they just lie, 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 lie again. I mean, that's 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 what the party has become. And 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 there, people like Eric Erickson. Uh, there's this um this this group called. Um, Justice, truth, or something that I get email from that comes up with with lies. I I I I got one from them yesterday, and they they just make stuff up. Yeah, and their people believe it. Yeah, and you have right wing radio who takes this stuff and repeats it, and so they have this gigantic bubble that they're living in, which is an alternative reality completely. In fact, I I um. When I when I when I occasionally fight with them on, on Facebook, and I do very little of it because I got tired of it, but I I I I tell them that um, what they're talking about is quite in vogue on Pluto, so back here on Earth, you know, and, and Pluto got demoted as a planet. It's not even a planet anymore. It's just a big rock, a big asteroid, because it wasn't big enough to be a planet. But but they're on Pluto and we're here on Earth. Yeah. And we have totally different realities. No, it's yeah, you're right. And and this is I go back and look at this tweet. It's not just like the absurdity of saying uh, black men are splitting, right, for Kemp and Walker in good numbers, which is a meaningless statement. It's completely absurd and ridiculous. But Republicans have been saying it so long. Oh, I know, no, the, you're saying it so that, that that Democrats now say to me, I'm very worried about the black vote, right. the black male vote. I'm like, you oh, guys yeah. just believe any old BS the Republican puts in your brain. One of their lies that they had about the time um, you and I started doing this stuff was there was the 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 new Black Panthers were the serious threat to everybody. 
and the new Black Panthers were three guys dressed up like the Black Panthers. They showed up at a, a polling booth and uh, was kind of threatening to voters, but not really. And they they turned this into uh, their, through the, their their um, live machine. They yeah. turned this into the resurgence of the Black Panthers and how they were intimidating Black voters and how they were this. And literally, there were three guys. Yeah. And I would tell them, well, where are the rest of the people? And they'd say, well, and then they show me some picture of where whoever knows where it came from. But that's what they do over and over. They've been doing it, and they continue to do it. This is why we have the big lie where Trump won the election. And And I counter the big lie would lock him up. (laughs) and, and, And so here's the dilemma, which we've talked about. Uh, we, I'm going to give ourselves credit because we were way ahead of the curve. Now I even see the New York Times talking about it. The Republicans uh, don't have the courage to split from Trump. And so last night I'm watching MSNBC and all the uh, the, the the commentators saying they got to split from Trump. They got to split from Trump. I'm like, guys, Trump got not. You're all trashing Trump. As far as Herschel Walker was his candidate, that guy got 49% of the vote in Georgia. He, The worst candidate in the world got 49% of the almost won. That's Trump's candidate. You're not going to split from Trump. You think you're just going to walk away from this guy? He owns the Republican Party. Right. It, right. Exactly. I mean, well, no, they've created this monster. Um, unlike in Frankenstein, the torch holders are the monster, not the monsters. The monster is just an avatar. It's it's now the torch holders that have become the monster. So Trump has to be careful of what he says or does, or he'll lose the villagers. Uh, That's where they are now. And and, um, it's a sad state for the country. And it's, um, but, 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 but Trump, Trump, Trump will be gone long before Trumpism is. Well, you know, we'll get to that. Uh, I'll point out that about, was it two weeks ago? It was sometime when you were uh, either in Cali or uh, sick. I can't remember when I've lost track of time. Uh, There was the infamous Mar-a-Lago get together of Kanye West, Nick Fuentes, and Trump. Yeah, I was in Cali. Two, two of the most hideous uh, anti-Semites in the world. Most of, One of them has a, a following of, like, I forget how many millions. Uh, and uh, Nick Fuentes, who is just an open white supremacist, doesn't even try to hide it. Meeting Not- with Donald Trump. And yeah. then there's the election right after that, and he still gets 49%. Herschel Walker, Trump's candidate, still gets 49% of the vote. So Trump doesn't seem to be deviating in any way, Monroe. And if you're saying that Trumpism will outlast Trump, then meeting with Nick Fuentes and Kanye West is like where Trumpism is at right now. Yeah. If you follow what I'm saying. Yeah, right. No, the FBI is reporting that the greatest threat to American security is uh, the white militias, not 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 um, any Arab group in another part of the world. Uh, we've seen the monster, and the monster is here. And so, I mean, it's something that we're going to have to deal with. That the shooting up of that um, power plant mm-hmm. in, North, in Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, it's just. I mean, these these people are dangerous, and they will continue until um, we put enough of them in prison, where they will realize that, that um, these war games they're playing, um, they're 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 playing it with the wrong authorities 
you know, because I, I used to have fights with these guys on Facebook about where they were talking about they were going to keep their guns and, you know, they, <laughs> excuse me, don't come for their guns. And I would tell them, this is when Obama was president, said, you've got guns, we've got drones. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Trash talk. (laughs) Gary trash talk. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Trump. Uh, We're going to have a long conversation tomorrow with the great Jim Coogan. Uh, He's assembling a list. uh, Monroe, he's he's been dutifully following a dear friend of this show, attorney uh, Jim Coogan, uh, following all the, the trials uh, that Donald Trump is involved in. And, and so we'll take the deep dive on make, that. Make uh, him bring a scorecard. Yeah, no, he's it's, it's, it's a lot, a whole lot of shaking going on. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. And uh, Jim's got the scorecard. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that conversation. I think I've been following it, but I think Coogan's one step beyond me. Uh, and I think you're one step beyond me as well. Uh, so yesterday, a uh, jury in New York, I think it was yesterday, I'm losing track of time. Uh, yeah. Uh, convicted Trump organization of fraud, uh, concealing uh, money they were paying out uh, in the in the form of goods and services to high-ranking officials in the organization, so that they could avoid uh, to paying taxes on essentially what was income to them. Uh, and somehow or other in the universe, even though there was a conviction against Trump organization, Donald Trump himself uh, is not literally going to have to pay the price. But it's the sign of the, the law and the jurors creeping closer, closer right. to, to Donnie. Uh, talk about that. Oh, well, with, in this case, it's a civil suit. And it's not going to be that punishing to Trump. He's he's going to have to pay out about one point six million. Uh, you know, which, which which would irritate if if you or I had to do that, it would be a, <laughs> a serious irritation. <laughs> but for Trump, it's pocket change because he keeps because MAGA keeps sending him money <laughs> to, uh, with his con that he has going on. However. What it does is it it could easily put him out of business where banks won't because he's now it's now a criminal organization. Banks either can't or won't loan him money anymore, depending on um, their internal rules yeah. on this. Uh, and and the brand name is officially tarnished. It's been tarnished with those those woke among us for some time now, but um, for a lot of people, it's not magical anymore. Yeah. By the way, let's just point something out that you just said. And I know it's true what you said, but let's just take a deep dive in it. Uh, Because of this conviction, uh, banks, as in lending institutions, uh, will not make loans to Donald Trump anymore. Why would they have ever made tr- loans to Donald Trump in the first freaking place? Were they not? Because he's a con man, a con man, con. So that's why they were making they were making loans to him. Yeah, I mean, he, he is a, an incredible con man, as, as we have seen over the last five or six years. Yeah. And you know, and and the way con men, I, I've, I've studied to this to some extent. The way con men are successful is they prey on your greed. Uh, this is how they con you because you think you're going to get something for nothing. You know, uh, year, back in the 70s, when I worked for Ebony Magazine, I had lived in D.C. and I, I left D.C. and was to come to Chicago and work for Ebony. I had an assignment in D.C. with Ebony. I came into the airport and I had this um, like lime green suede jacket, which was really cool. I loved it. I had a camera. I had a tape recorder because I was on assignment. I get approached by these guys who are obviously con men. And they're trying to pull them. I think the con was called a Murphy, if I remember, but where they tell you that 
they need your help and they will pay you money to help them. And so their con with me was this guy couldn't find his car and needed a ride someplace that he didn't know how to get there. And so um, if I helped them, then I get uh, 50 or $100 or something. And I went along with the car just to see how it would play out until it got to the point, okay, but then another man comes along. He said, well, he got a car. He can give him a line. So we can do this quickly. Let's go do it. And I said, wait a minute, guys. I'm not from here. I'm from Chicago. There's no way I could help you with any of this, but good luck. And I cut it off at there. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it, it was it was obviously orchestrated, and it was obviously a con. And what what depended on my being con was if I was greedy enough to think that I was going to get a hundred bucks by doing this thing that they were trying to get me to do. Yeah, and it made no sense whatsoever why I would do it. Yeah, and this and is what Trump has done with yeah. his people time and time again for the last six years. And and you're right. And I watched how he conned Chicago. And so don't think you're so better than this, Chicago. Because before Donald Trump uh, went uh, created MAGA and went to the far right, he's kind of neutral in his politics. He uh, gave to Democrats and Republicans. He, right. he, uh, he was friendly with the Clintons. He was a Democrat, yeah. Yeah. He came to Chicago to build his uh, freaking tower. And he sized up. He sized you up so fast, Chicago. So he said, all right, uh, for a tax lawyer, I'll hire Ed Burke, right. Democratic chair of the finance committee. He'll be my tax lawyer. That'll get make sure all these Democrats at the assessor's office give me my tax break. He saw right through you, Chicago. And then he, he said sweet things about Mayor Daley. Oh, what a great mayor Mayor Daly is. And what a great guy Rahm is. Next thing you know, they look the other way while he put his big, ugly name on that building in violation of all rules. They got right. they let him get away with it. And, and, and it's, it's, it's in the contract. Yeah, it's in the contract. Right. And it took a $50,000 campaign donation to Mayor Rahm when he was candidate Rahm. So, Chicago, don't think you're... Monroe is absolutely correct. Don't, you got you were just stars in your eyes. Oh my God, it's Donald Trump. He was on TV. I saw him on Oprah's show. If he was on Oprah, he must be but, great. You yeah, got yeah. fooled too, Chicago. Go ahead. And yeah, I, I've told you I met Trump before. It was uh, during the Tyson Spinks fight. I went there as press secretary with Mayor Sawyer. We oh, went to the fight. God. And after the fight, it was at Trump's casino. We went to meet Trump, and he had a greeting line. I mean, he, well, we were the greeted line. It was Trump, and he was that, you know, Sawyer, um, uh, Johnson, Cadillac Johnson. Uh, it, it was maybe a half a dozen of us that he met. And um, he was battling with um, uh, the wild hair fight fighter, fight fight um, uh, promoter. Um, Don King. Don King. He, they were hanging out together. So the next day, I wasn't invited to this because uh, they didn't. They didn't trust me to be corrupt enough. So with, with some something really dicey was going to happen. They, either they wouldn't invite me or I would disinvite myself if I didn't, I didn't feel good about it. And they had a meeting, and he was trying to pitch them on putting a building in Chicago as, uh, in, in 88, 80, yeah, 87. 88. I think it was 88. 88. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it goes back that far. Yeah, because Mayor Sawyer was the mayor. It was 88. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, so, all right, here we go. Just trivia question. How long did that Michael Spinks, uh, uh, Mike Tyson fight last? Uh, I think it made it one round. It may not have made it one round. It was, a short, it was the shortest fight. 90 seconds. I think it was yeah, 90, right. 90 seconds. Right, right. Yeah, it was short. Oh, I, my God. I remember it being very, very short. Oh, my Lord. Mike Tyson what a great fighter he was. Poor Michael Spinks was like, what have I been, what am I in, got right. into? Right. Uh, but it did last longer than, uh, I just want to point this out, Muhammad Ali's 
uh, infamous second fight against Sonny Liston. Yeah, uh, where the magic, the, the mysterious <laughs> blow. <laughs> the blow that never touched. Sonny was one look at Muhammad Ali. Ah, I think I'll just not bother. <laughs> Hell on the ground, that fight yeah. was over. Hey, I, I, I'm in my first movie, you know, and so I got knocked down by a contactless blow. Yeah, wow, that's uh, I'll, I'll never forget that one. All right, uh, so we uh, we have all these other things we're going to talk about, we've run out of time. Uh, I'm gonna just uh, close by giving a tribute to our, uh, our dear friend who passed, Sergio Mims, and I told him about this. So last night. Uh, Maya and I did a first Tuesday uh, at uh, the Promontory, which is a uh, nightclub in Hyde Park. Uh, and so um, I'm driving down uh, into Hyde Park. I go past the Pancake House and off of 47th Street. And I just had hit me how much I miss Sergio Mims, who died uh, in August, I want to say, Monroe, or maybe it was September. And um, uh, because... Sergio would come on the show many times with Monroe. Uh, and even though Sergio's expertise is movies, he was not afraid uh, to talk about absolutely anything that was on his mind with utter authority. Uh, he was a, a delightful guy to talk to in so many ways. And he would make these wild predictions uh, on this show. Uh, and Monroe would be like, that is not going to happen, Sergio. And then a bet would be made. And the terms of the bet would be we'd all go to that pancake house on 47th Street, which I, I love dearly. I never go to anymore because I'm always uh, <laughs> working. Um, and I went by that pancake house and I was just overwhelmed with just missing Sergio and how we never did get to you know, go hang out at the coffee uh, at that uh, pancake house, Monroe, and we would have been doing so much talking. <laughs> I, I don't, I, did you actually, you know, you didn't meet Sergio at my house, but you, you, Oh, the several, I did not, no, no, I did not literally meet yeah, him. Yeah, I, right, I met Sergio, was, but I was with you when I met him. No, yeah. no, no. I I uh, I met Sergio. No, I I met him uh, at the radio station WHBK. His right. show was literally right before my show back in the day, and then I subsequently met him socially at a party that you were at as well. But go ahead. Yeah, but but anyway, I would have Sergio over for holidays so much so much so that. When a holiday was coming up, he would call me and ask me <laughs> if I was going to have a dinner. <laughs> Sergio was so bad about this that uh, when the, when the, the virus hit, my um, I I no longer had parties here or dinners, but my cousins in Gary, I, I, I there was a party in Gary that my cousins gave. And Joyce didn't want to come go because of the the uh, pandemic, so Sergio went with me <laughs> to my cousin's party in Gary. <laughs> and then there was another party for Fourth of July, uh, with a cousin in in Madison, the suburb, the Illinois suburb, uh-huh. and. He came to that the Fourth of July party. <laughs> to that, and in fact, they were they would ask about Sergio. They wanted to know because Sergio was so delightful and he was so so um, friendly and outgoing. Yeah. And my cousins who hadn't a clue as to who he was initially just said, "Well, are you bringing your friend <laughs> with you?" And I said, "Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll bring him." You know. Oh no! I uh, I remember Fourth of July a party at your house, and uh, Sergio was there, and it was like to get a word in. I mean, folks, you had to have elbows flying because there's some serious talkers. Monroe's wife is a great talker. She won't come on the show, but she can really talk. And she was there, and Sergio was there, and your friend Joseph was there, uh, and yeah, he Joe talked, English, yeah. Joe English, and. Yeah. I got the gift of gab too. So it was like elbows flying people. It's like an old cup show only at Monroe's house before you remember cup show where they'd sit around the table and talk. And I love that show. Uh, but anyway, also thought of Sergio because there's a great flick 
uh, documentary um, on Netflix, and uh, it's called what is it called? Not black enough for you. It's, it's not uh, black enough for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, Elvis Mitchell, the brilliant film uh, critic. Uh, now he's a documentarian. Put together a tribute to uh, uh, black movies from the seventies. Got Sergio's name written all over it, and I miss very much the fact that he's not around to come out talk on it. Fantastic movie, Monroe. Brought back a lot of memories for me of the movies that we saw growing up. Uh, you know, from roughly nineteen seventy to uh, yes, and I, I I lived a lot of that. You know, I interviewed Sweet Sweet. I mean, I. I I reviewed for the National Observer Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. I interviewed uh, Melvin Van Peebles for that. I um, I was working for Ebony when Billy D. Williams came through for Lady Sings the Blues, and the women were just like flocking after him. And that and this was at this this was after I went to a party at Prairie Shores. Uh, when uh, Brian's song came out, oh yeah, Billy mm-hmm. Billy was not known at that time, and so all the ebony models and uh, fashion fair women uh, were at the party, and they totally ignored him. So Billy and I were in a quarter discussing black movies <laughs> together <laughs> because the women weren't interested in him. And those same women, months later, after <laughs> Lady Sings the Blues came out, saw him, and they were like just. Um, it's, it's, it's a wonder they didn't take their panties off and throw them at him. That's, <laughs> that's how hot he was. It's, it was amazing. He's in this documentary, Billy the Williams. Uh, yeah. And uh, an old man right there. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Belafonte. Yeah, Harry Belafonte. And then the other movie uh, I urge everybody to watch, the documentary uh, that I wish uh, Sergio Arana discussed, it's called Sydney. It's a documentary about Sydney Poitier. I believe. Uh, I know you and I should take the deep dive. This is a longer conversation. I believe a lot of like this revisionist history about Sidney Poitier is really unfair to Sidney Poitier. Uh, and um, in the documentary, uh, they bring on um, Denzel Washington, who really brings home this point. You haven't seen this document. This is the. No, I haven't seen this one. Yeah. Denzel uh, defends Sidney Poitier uh, and. Uh, and his legacy. So I urge everybody to check that out. Cindy Poitier. I, I love Cindy Poitier. I know you, 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 you kind of turned on in the seventies, right? Monroe. Yeah. Yeah. You, well, I, you know, he, he, first of all, he was from the Negro um, uh, um, ensemble out of New York theater and everybody overacted. <laughs> the yeah. Negro ensemble. So because they were learning. I mean, I mean, this is, this is a, 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 a fair point is that they were learning, and so they were overacting. And, and, uh, and they would bring, those who got the chance to be in movies, often would bring it over into the movies, including Sidney, because, well, he, had, he started off with an accent, a, a West Indian accent, and so he was overcompensating for that, and basically was what, what at that time we referred to it, speaking proper and um so i mean it was and 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 and, and he was also choosing very good movies to be a good guy movie yeah. so i just um I, I became interested in other black actors it wasn't that i disliked him but he just seemed like uh a little bit too old-fashioned for me by we got by the time we got to that 80s and so then he went behind the camera became a great director yeah, I, I just that kind of blew my mind. It's like, okay, uh, I've read, played every part I could possibly play, and I'm uh, I'm kind of losing my audience. So I'll just start directing movies. And he had a right. great run uh, throughout the seventies into the. Oh 80s. no, he's a, he's a legend for sure. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I was thinking of you when I saw the Elvis Mitchell documentary because they were talking about great actors from 70s movies uh, and they did Blackula and the star of Blackula is William Marshall and folks may not know this, he too is a, uh, he too is a son of Gary, Indiana. Right. You would never know it. To, like he told you, hear him speak. Yeah, I know. He's Shakespearean, right. Exactly. He was Shakespeare. He, Shakespearean. He, he was in school, high school with my mother. 
Um, and when I, in, when I was in the seventh, eighth grade, we did this play called J.B. It was about Job. It was a, a modernized version of Job for that time, the 60s. And our drama teacher got him to record the lines in the play of God. Wow. And so he had, we had this, this incredible um, <laughs> C-based voice yeah. coming out as God in our play. It was really cool. Yeah, no, I uh, that's a pretty good person to play God. William Marshall, ladies and gentlemen, if you get a chance to see Blackula, I urge you, uh, we're going to tie the beginning and the end of the show. We talked about vampires at the outset of the show. Uh, we'll close by talking about uh, Blackula. Uh, well, who, uh, one one other thing. He was, he was in uh, Spartacus, and his career got cut by the uh, – the, the um, communists. Yes, he was blacklisted. Yeah, yeah. Black, he was blacklisted. I did not know William Marshall was in Spartacus. I'm, I may have known that. I've forgotten it. Uh, well, it might have been. Is he the Spartacus or Demetrius and the Gladiators? Yeah, I don't think it was Spartacus. Uh, but whatever, neither here nor there. Yeah. Often yeah. There. You know what? If Sergio were here, he would know. Right. Um, he would know right away. Uh, all right, Monroe. So okay. pretty, pretty good week uh, for. Democrats, uh, very but, bad week for Trump. Yes, which and you'll talk about that tomorrow. Yes, uh, with Jim Coogan, we're going to be yeah. talking about taking the deep dive on that. But it, I think you agree with me. Uh, please, Dems, please don't fall asleep again. Don't don't go back to those days like you did with Obama and just fall asleep because you thought there was a magic man in the White House, right, Monroe? It, right, right. It, this is not over yet. Well, nobody thinks Joe Biden is a magic man. It, it's just the opposite. I mean, he's he's done all this magic, but he's not getting credit for it. Yeah, I know. But he's about to. Well, that's a topic for another uh, yeah. day. Joe Biden uh, and his run, and I do believe he will run for president again in 2024. And I believe, I think you agree with me, Monroe, that Democrats would be crazy to replace him at this stage, or even right. talk about replacing him. Right. Absurd that is. Uh, all right, Monroe. Thank you very much. Good to have you back. Uh, good to see you healthy, and I'll talk to you next week. All right. Okay. All right. Take care. All right, that's great, Monroe Anderson. Uh, he's been off for a few Wednesdays, but he's back. Also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Joy Vault in Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Monroe Anderson and William Marshall will tell you, back home at Alton, they call him Dr. D, and these dance were marvelous. Give yourself a raise, take it out, petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. Mm-hmm.